You're listening to a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network production. Run It Again is an inside look at the players, the coaches, and the business of sports with former NFL star and broadcaster Ron Pitts. And two minutes later, I was back in the same Oklahoma drill that I got the concussion from. And the mastermind behind the greatest show on turf, Coach Mike Marks. And we want to force him into a vanilla defense and go to work. Run It Again is a hard-hitting, no BS podcast that connects you directly to the source. This is Run It Again. Welcome to Run It Again. Now, here's Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz. The gang is all here. Uh, myself, Coach Mike Martz, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the guy who's always welcome on our podcast, Mr. Solomon Wilcox, coming to us live from the state of Ohio, the city of Cincinnati. And as you can tell by the, the helmet in the background, not only is he a former Bengal, so he's happy about his boys heading back to the Super Bowl, but uh, uh, Sol- Solomon is a former Bengal himself, as, as we all know, and played yeah, in the Super Bowl. And, 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 you, and you know what, guys? I, got you. I was talking to Anthony Munoz this morning, and we both are kind of conflicted, you know, because we both grew up in the Southland, we grew up as Rams fans when they were playing in L.A. They had some great teams in the 70s. And so we grew up watching and cheering and rooting for the Rams. But the team that drafted us into this league was the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, Anthony played on two Super Bowl teams, our teams that went to the Super Bowl in the mm-hmm. 80s. And I played on one in 88. So, you know, we get to go back home to our hometown in Los Angeles. Uh, but now we got to be cheering for the other team. We got to cheer for the Bengals. To, to beat the Rams, and I know Coach Marks don't doesn't even want to hear that part of it. <laughs> no, actually, it's uh, I'm just love football. You know, it's uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I was with the Rams for 12 years, so of course I have a little bit of an attachment there. But yeah. I really love to watch that quarterback play for the Bengals. I really love what yeah. he does and how good he is. And people talk about him being a second year player. He's really not. He's a first year player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, that's, we looked that's at his right. injury. So he's really, from the amount of snaps that he's had, you got to look at him like he's still a rookie almost, you know? You know, a lot of people uh, forget that, that he, you know, he got hurt uh, his rookie year. Very early, uh, yeah. Very early, the knee injury. Yeah. So now it's even more impressive for him to come out and, and do what he's done. Well, well, let's just jump right into it. Let me set this game up. Uh, two teams now going to be playing for the Super Bowl, uh, for the in the Super Bowl, the Cincinnati Bengals after their 27-24 win over Kansas City. And uh, the Los Angeles Rams got it done with the new quarterback and all. Matthew Stafford, they, uh, they dispatch those pesky San Francisco 49ers who were trying to make it seven in a row on them, which is pretty unbelievable. So let's, uh, let's start with Cincinnati. And, and uh, I'm going to go to you first, Coach, and just give me your thoughts on this game, Kansas City. Man, at one point, uh, they had a 20-some point lead, and it looked like they were going to make a route of it. But uh, Cincinnati did what they seem to always do at the end of the game, and that's uh, find a way to come back and, and finish strong. Well, you know, there was, Kansas City is one of the few teams that didn't get to the quarterback. Uh, but Kansas City, Spags done such a great job there defensively. I don't think they're very talented on defense, particularly in the back end. People have lit them up all year long back there, and I think it was just a question of time that Burrow got at him with the, you know, that terrific combo between him and the receiver. So that was going to happen. Uh, just you no know, question when it was going to happen. Then Mixon, you know, had some real good plays for them to keep the chains moving. And 
Mm-hmm. You know, Burrow just didn't take any chances. You know, he didn't make any dumb throws in that game. He kept him in and made some plays with his legs. Solly, what was your take on it? You know, I I had done several uh, hits in the Kansas City market on radio. Yeah. And every single time that I would do these interviews, I mean, it was this like they were laughing at me. They would snicker. They were like, ah, oh, no way the Bengals are going to beat the Chiefs again. There's just no way. And you know, we all know how decorated that team is. You know, they've won six yeah. straight division titles. They, you know, it was their fourth consecutive championship game, conference championship game. I had to remind him of the week 17 contest. Yeah. And yeah. I, I told him, I said, everything that Josh Allen for the Bills did to you during the divisional round, um, Joe Burrow did that and more. Week 17, yeah. where he had over 400 yards passing, four touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. And then I said, everything Gabriel Davis did to you, Jamar Chase did that and more. And I, I tried to get him to understand that they were facing a more potent offense with the Cincinnati Bengals, because as much as I respect what Buffalo is bringing to the table, Buffalo on offense, they don't have Joe Mixon. No, <laughs> you know, they don't have that kind of player. And and we didn't know some RJP Ryan, the backup running back, would be able to catch one coming out of the backfield for 41 yards and a touchdown. So I, I thought the Bengals would have great success. They've been more of a second-half team coach, Ron, all season long. They've made great adjustments. And I thought the adjustments that they made defensively in the second well, half by Lou Anaromo, yeah. I thought it was the it's still the most untalked about and under discussed portion of of what we saw transpire in that game. Shut them out the second half. They're a completely mm-hmm. different team. I, I think Mahomes they went like four possessions in a row and they yeah. didn't get a first down. And you know, um, I couldn't really see, and I haven't looked at the coach's copy. I can't get it, but. It looked like in the back end they clamped them down and mixed in a lot more zone. Earlier, they're in a lot of man. And, you know, you get in Tyreek Hill, you get in man-to-man, that's a losing proposition trying to chase yeah. it from the field, you know. So they trapped him. It looked like they played some trap and, and mixed mm-hmm. in some zone and confused Mahomes. Now, Mahomes in the, in the second half looked awful to me. He yeah. missed he yeah. missed throws that he just don't miss. He just looked like yeah. a completely different player, and I don't know why whether he got injured at some point, but he just – he looked uncomfortable and nervous, and I've never seen him like that. A couple of there – yeah. there was a few things that happened, guys. For one, not enough people know this, but um, Patrick Mahomes, remember the toe injury from a year ago? I do. It, it continued to bother him, Coach, throughout training camp. In fact, they were very concerned during training camp, and it bothered him even coming into the regular season started to feel better as they started to try to do some other treatments on it. But listen, go talk to the, one of the greatest defensive backs ever played in Deion Sanders and tell him, you know, that a big toe shouldn't impact your game. I think all <laughs> yeah, of us right. here know that can yeah. truly impact your game. Another thing is Patrick Mahomes came into our league, just shredding it up. The talented arm team started making him play with greater patience, right? Testing his mm-hmm. patience, testing his ability to play small ball. That's what you saw Lou Anaromo do in the second half. What they did when they changed their pass rush, they had the coverages that you just described, Coach, on the back end, a little more zone. He had to read things a little bit, but they were going to trap him in the pocket. They were rushing to contain him, trying to force him to throw from the whale, not allow him to get outside where he can play street ball or see fl- – uh, free and clear playing on the edges of the pass rush. No, 
They wanted him to throw deep from the well, and they didn't mm-hmm. care how much time they gave him after that, even though they did have a delayed blitzer. Um, Sam Hubbard is a former defensive back when he played at Archbishop Moeller High School right here in Cincinnati, then went to Ohio State where they he later grew into this body and became this defensive end, but he still is athletic where they could use him as the delayed rusher, okay? After they trapped Mahomes in the pocket, you saw him, he just was holding it and holding it and mm-hmm. holding it yeah. because they were trying to just control him in the pocket, forcing him, trying to disrupt his vision, but forcing him to read it accurately and check it down. He still wanted the big-time throws. And so in the second half of the game, they would only scored three points on seven possessions, they would have about 83 total yards of offense in the second half. And in the second half, the Bengals' defense had four sacks and two interceptions. And I thought the, the most critical one was on the Chiefs' first possession. Think about a quarterback oh, yeah. who has to throw from behind the line and he gets intercepted by a defensive tackle. Tell me that won't rattle you as a quarterback. Yeah, right. it does. Yeah, there were two plays that I didn't understand to Solomon's point there. Uh, right before they went into overtime. If you remember, Kansas City had drove the ball mm-hmm. and they were they were like trying to decide, okay, now what do we do here? Do we run this clock down and 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 kick the field goal or do we just try to score? And uh Mahomes took two bad sacks. And one, you know, they he lost the ball and they got the ball back and then had to kick the field goal. Those two plays to me were weird. And I thought something's wrong. I didn't understand his decision-making at, at that time and what, yeah. what he may have seen. He looked like he thought he had a timeout when he didn't. Yeah, you know? something <laughs> was, was, was strange there. That, that was that look. And that happens. It's happened that's to Brady. Exactly. You know? That's right, yeah. Coach. I think that's he right. just thought he had a timeout. And he was... which, yeah, which is why he threw the ball and played. He, he was instructed to read um, Travis Kelsey along, along the back end line. Yeah. Right? And wait you know for him. That, 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 that tight end wanted to sit in over the center, right on the back end line. Yeah. He wasn't there. He was supposed to just throw it out of bounds. Yeah, he, he, he was, kept waiting he, for something to open up again. Yeah. That second but window, yeah. He even said it during the post-game press conference. He made a bad decision. He should have never yeah. threw the ball over to Tyreek Hill in the field of play. He thought Tyreek Hill would be good. Four, which is to coach's point, Patrick Mahomes is doing this, doing he had no more timeouts. Yeah. He had no yeah. more timeouts, which meant he had seconds when that ball was snapped. Coach will tell you, now down in there, you might get away with seven seconds. That's the most you're gonna get, right? To read it. If it's not there, throw it out of bounds, and then they kick the field goal. So I a lot of people kind of came down on Andy Reid, like. He had no, like he got greedy and he shouldn't, he should have never been going for it. The way he had instructed the quarterback and had the quarterback executed the plan, they would have been able to go for it on that play with second down and still get the field goal before going in at halftime. However, the quarterback got a little bit greedy. He kind of got out of sorts, thought he had a timeout and he did it. And uh, they end up squandering a red zone possession. That, that play, though, that play, Solomon, really Big. exemplifies how he played the first half of the season. That's right. He kind of left right. the offense and went off on his own. He's yeah. got that in him. And if you'll continue to do that, yeah. they'll, they'll never be back. You know, he's he's made those. Remember the interceptions he was throwing earlier in the year? And he just looked yep. at That play was indicative of how he was, the undisciplined in him. 
and they reeled him in pretty good and he bought yeah. into it, but it, it, you just don't know what's going to show up in a guy like that. I, I have a question, coach. I think this would be good for you because you've been around these quarterbacks for a long time. I think about when Patrick Mahomes came into this league, the guy who he played behind Alex Smith was one of the most conservative quarterbacks this game's ever seen for a guy who was conservative, but still he could win. He could, yeah. he could keep the offense on track and in rhythm. And the one thing most of us criticize, um, you know, Alex Smith was because he wouldn't take the shots, right? He wouldn't yeah, pull the yeah. trigger, but I think Patrick Mahomes watched him for a full year and he developed that sense of understanding the conservative part of it because he already had this sort of gunslinger mentality coming in from Texas Tech. He already had that part of his game. And I think they really coached him to learn more of the nuances of how to just keep the offense on track. Let the playmakers be the playmakers. And I think that's why he was off to such a great success in his career. And the more comfortable he became, the more he had gotten away from uh, maybe having that image in front of him, like an Alex Smith. I think we saw in 2021 more of the raw Patrick Mahomes. And he felt, I think, that he had had the success that now he was going to go to the next level. And uh, you and I both know when quarterbacks get away from some of those fundamentals, things can begin to break down around them. Yeah. You know, the discipline of what you do in the pass game, regardless of what kind of passing game it is, when you get away from that, and 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 he does this to me, he. Yeah. I know this is what it is, but I can do more. Exactly. You know, I can do more. Exactly. And, yeah. and instead of just taking the ball into the flat quickly and just letting the offense run itself, and and being real good at what you do within the offense, and I think he gets bored. To be honest with you, <laughs> that's, I think a good, that's good. interesting. I think yeah. he gets so. I, I, he has. Oh. So, he's so good and feels so good about his abilities that. Yeah, I can do more than that. We don't need to do that. I can do this. You know, yeah. if I just hang on to this, he's because he's created so much in his career. But that undiscipline of, of you, there's a difference between creating when you have to, when the protection breaks down, et cetera, you know. But when you start to create when you have time, then you you leave the discipline of the offense and then you just got nothing really. And it, and in, against Buffalo, it all worked for him. Right? Even yes, even in the overtime, they win the coin toss and he goes right down the field. Bang, yeah. bang, bang. We're out of here. Touchdown. And now he gets yeah. the ball in overtime against the Bengals. He's going bang, bang. And he got he got greedy. He, did. he goes to Tyreek Hill. There was two defenders on Tyreek yeah. Hill. This is what we saw to coaches playing the middle of the season where he gets bored. He gets impatient and he wants the home run right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you. The Bengals made him pay for it. Great play by Jesse Bates. Vaughn Bell catches the ball. They put Joe yeah. Burrow on a short field. And yeah, do you know? Over. Do you know the kicker for the Bengals, Evan McPherson? Do you know he made four field goals in every single one of their postseason games this year? Mm-hmm. Four against yeah. the Raiders. Had He's four against the Titans. Came back, kicked four more field goals in the AFC Championship game uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs. A remarkable season for a rookie. Kicker, this yeah, guy's pretty great. Ma- yeah, that is amazing. Yeah, he he he's been money, and you know, you know, going back to what what you're saying there, Solomon, I think of that Buffalo game, and I still don't understand. I love Leslie Frazier as a defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. but I still don't understand their last two calls against that very same situation where it looked like they thought that Kansas City had to go for a touchdown and not a field goal to beat them, 
and they didn't even cover down on Tyreek Hill and Kelsey and let him big get those big chunks of yards. So I, yeah. you know, but you know, but one guy you mentioned earlier that I want to give some props to, and that's uh, Cincinnati defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo. He he is really yeah. kind of I don't want to say stepped up, but all of a sudden you are starting to notice his defense. And like Mike, you always say this: this game at this point of the season comes down to who can make the right adjustments because you can't right. go into a game with just one bag of tricks. No, you, you know, in, a, in these games, you got to find an edge for your players. You know, the, the old adage, you old Marty Schottenheimer, you know, we got here because we got good players and we're going to play basic football and just let our players make plays. That just doesn't work. That just didn't advance you. You got to give them an edge somehow, making the adjustments that you have to. And that's what they did in the second half. My gosh, in the first half, I thought, you know, Kansas City might put 50 on them. <laughs> it looked you know? that way. You yeah. did. Well, right. I, I One mean, score were, away. Yeah. They, but the speed difference between those corners and Tyreek Hill was he's a rocket. You just can't contain him unless you trap him. You have to trap him. And they did that. You know, they ran with him, then let him go and picked him up and. Um, the, that coverage adjustment confused Mahomes. And he wants, like you said, Sally, and it's what they did to, to Arizona at the end. Arizona could not do that because the quarterback's short. They contained him, didn't let him outside, and pushed, pushed it up. And they, yep. it's the same plan that they did here in the second half. He can't break out and extend the play. And when he can't extend the play, he, get, he gets very frustrated yep. and then does stupid stuff. But his throwing, he just missed throws in the second half too that – I just, yeah. I, I just can't believe he missed. I mean, he yeah. missed a lot of throws. Yeah. yeah. Hey, say, so, guys, this uh, – now, we know about Jamar Chase, all right, and we know the hookup that Chase has had with Burrow. It, it's been nothing short of spectacular. But a guy, to me, that sh- has been showing up big in the postseason that I don't know that people have talked about enough. They're talking about him, but enough. That's T. Higgins. T. Higgins made a couple catches – he made a fingertip catch. You know how guys, they, they would practice in training camp, catching the ball in the back half of the ball receivers would, right? You know, that, that drill. I saw him make a couple of those and then a one-handed grab. You know, he ended up with, with uh, six catches, 100 yards, but he seems to make those plays at the right time, and Burrow finds him when he can't get to, to chase. He has to. I mean, yeah. he really has to because he gets singled up. You know, like right. when Torrey and Isaac were together that first year, Isaac always got doubled. And Torrey was free as a rookie, and we were able to get some big plays to him, and and he really established himself. And there's a little bit of a similarity here to me that, you know, Chase is going to get doubled. They're going to trap him and do whatever they can to keep him from making these big plays. But, you know, Higgins, you know, he's he's going to have big games, and he'll have a big game in the Super Bowl because of that. Yeah. This was the point of growth, to be honest with you guys, for the, for the Bengals' entire offense. Um, early in the season, Jamar Chase got off to a very fast start, as we all know. And then Burrow got into this point where he was going to – he was damned adored Pedos. He was going to get the ball to Jamar Chase, even in double coverage. <laughs> and he started to throw an inordinary amount of interceptions. And then they went into the bye week, and we were all saying, look, man, T. Higgins can win for you. Tyler yeah. Boyd can win for you. C.J. Uzama can win for you. Yeah. This is what the offense needed. This is why they went out and got a Jamar Chase. They needed somebody who could literally dictate coverage to free up the other guys. That's and nice. it took Joe Burrow some time to come around to that proposition. But when they came out of the bye week and they started, I think it was about week 11, they played the Raiders. Then they went on a tear. This offense did this 
because Burrow started to allow these other guys to impact the offense. We saw Uzama have great games. We saw a stretch with three weeks in a row. Um, T. Higgins had over 100 yards receiving during the regular season. By the time we get to the end of the year, you got 2,000-yard receivers in Jamar Chase. Now they're there. They're dealing. And you saw that manifest itself on the field against the Kansas City Chiefs defense. So will Osama be ready to Yeah, morning? that was my question. That's a no, I, listen, he's got oh. they're saying it's a sprained MCL. Uh, um, two weeks. You, uh, you know how this game is. Everybody can go, coach. Every Super yeah. Bowl, right? Every yeah. I can go. Even when they can't go, they're gonna tell you they can go. Yeah. We gotta wait till he can get out to practice to see how he's moving. Um, but every right now, even if a guy is hobbled, he's gonna tell you he can go. I remember Dwight Freeney. Telling Jim Caldwell, remember when uh, the Colts, the Colts uh, played the Saints in the Super Bowl? And oh, yeah. White yeah. Freeney had that. Uh, he was wounded, man. He had a banged up ankle. And he really, this is a speed guy, right? T- Got to be able to turn the corner with big guys leaning on him. And uh, he convinced the coaches that he could go, but he was not quite himself, wasn't really 100%. But I'm sure Uzama's going to give it a try. It'll be hard part. for him because yeah. you got to be able to stick your foot in the ground and tie it in and all that's, those inside right. routes and change yeah. direction. And- oh, man. And he, he's been big, too. When they can't get yeah. the ball to chase to Higgins or out of the backfield, one of the backs, they find that guy, and he's made some big plays. But- I just hate the fact that they had to cart him off and cart him away, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, gosh. You know- so- yeah, I'd like to see them put Chase in inside and move him around a little bit and really challenge yeah. the defense yeah. to Yeah, they to keep him outside a lot. Yeah. When they leave him outside like that, it's really kind of easy. The value there is that you, the other guys aren't going to get freed up, but to put him in a slot third guy in and move him around a little bit, bring him up out of the backfield on a linebacker, you know, would be – Hey, look, that's what we're going to see the Rams do with Cooper yeah, Cup all face. day, right? <laughs> right, right? All day. I have a question Hopes for you, Sally. Uh, I have a question for you. Why is he not the MVP in the league? I love Cooper Cup. I do, too. I think love everything does. about yeah. him. Uh, you know – I love his personality. I like absolutely, how he plays the game. Everything absolutely. Is. This guy – um, you know, we all know he led the league in receiving, led the league in receiving yards, led the league in receiving touchdowns. touchdowns yeah. He also led the league in receptions of 20 yards or more with yeah. what we deem to be explosive plays. You don't mm-hmm. think of Cooper Cup as being the explosive receiver, right? But nope. the guy, he, he can do everything. He checks. He's not just a slot or a possession receiver. Oh, gosh, He's no. a, he no. checks all the boxes you want at that position. And what I love about him, Coach, and I know you value this as well, he reads the coverages the same way the quarterback does. You know, when they have to make adjustments, when that safety rotates down in the box, he knows how to break it off and what the adjustment is, even maybe sometimes before Matthew Stafford does. He, He really is that good. He sees he sees the game through the eyes of a quarterback. That's what we exactly. tell the receivers. And when that happens, it's a whole it, magic happens. It's over. It's <laughs> over. It's <laughs> over. He is so strong in the legs and his ability on the double moves and his mm-hmm. his body control. He's got the uniqueness of like Azakim was was incredible with that. But he yeah. but he's big. You know, mm-hmm. and he can stick his foot in the ground on these outs, and there's nothing that he can't do. He's got speed, he's got it all. Yeah. You know, he's, yeah. he's got that awkwardness to him. Yeah. I use this as an example a few weeks ago. Uh, and Sally, you played against a guy a lot and know the guy very well. Chris Collingsworth. 
Remember how Chris yeah. could come off the line and press coverage and get everything moving and just look awkward. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes yeah. for, for, for defensive backs, smoothness, we can, you know, mm-hmm. hook up with smoothness and you can start to feel a rhythm and a pattern. But guys like that don't give you any of that. And he adjusts his speed yeah. well, too. And, and, and I think he reads coverage as well on the move and all of that. And that's why the guy I would compare him to for me. And I remember when this guy I was like, Man, this dude, he Steve Largent, when he was Steve with Largent, the Seahawks, yeah. I could tell Steve Largent was a guy that maybe you didn't think he was as good as he. He Man. was really good. He had speed to go deep. He had the precision in his route running where he could stem you either way, get those hips turned and take you back the other way. He could cross yep. you over. He could do with you whatever he wanted, with whatever route he wanted to run. And I remember him doing this to two of the great corners I've ever seen. And our guy, you know, Mike Haynes and, and Lester Hayes. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he played against them twice a year and beat them. Every, they'll tell you that. They'll tell you that. Steve Largent <laughs> was that good. Uh, that's why when he left the game, guys, he owned every record yeah. a receiver could own until Jerry until Jerry Rice came along and, and broke all those records. So th- don't forget how good Steve Largent really was. And that's kind of what I, when I see Cooper Cup, I'm like, man, this guy is he's going to get his numbers when this game is over. This guy is going to he's going to do his damage. You just got to um, be able to weather the storm because he's that good. Yeah, no, I you remember know, guys telling stories about about him when, when I came in the league. Yeah, Mike, was, you know the 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 comparison between he and Jerry Rice is interesting to me because when he gets his ball, the ball in his hands, he has that big stride like Rice had. You know the acceleration, and he kind of shocks you. You can see the DBs just they don't mm-hmm. believe that that speed is there. You know, with that stride, his stride length, he doesn't look like he's running fast, but he's moving, buddy. He's he moving. is moving. He is yeah. moving. Yeah, Quick out I, of the break. When I, my first year in the league, uh, one of the, the veteran corners was telling me a story about Largent and because uh, they had played against him. And he said, man, this guy <laughs> ran the same out and up for a touchdown against three Pro Bowl corners in successive weeks. <laughs> then he got Mike, Mike Darden one week with Cleveland. Then he got Louis Wright. Remember Louis Wright? Oh, with Louis Wright yeah. no, he might have gotten guy, Lester yeah. the, the next week. The <laughs> same yeah. out and up. And I said, well, how did he do it? And they knew and it was it, coming. And they knew it was coming. He said, because he ran out, then he ran up. He didn't bend it out. He didn't slow That's it down. Right. He ran out. Oh, and he ran man. up. <laughs> he has he has that sudden that the great ones have. He is so sudden with his yeah. body language. It's so convincing. And you yeah. know, the one thing we should tell a receiver is body language is everything for a corner. That's right. That's the right. Body yeah. language that you exhibit yeah. to the corner, you mm-hmm. you can, can you can control that corner, eliminate the bad, and use the bad when you want to set him up and stuff like that. And that's what he does. He just his body language is phenomenal. Wow. Yeah, he, he can run his route off the defensive back without interrupting the integrity of the play no or question. the integrity of his route. That's hard right. to do. So, hard that's to really do. hard, really hard to do. But he can – that's what he can do. He can read your body, get you turned the way he needs to get you turned that way. Bam, he's bringing it here. But he still is in sync with the rhythm of the play. When that quarterback hits the top of the drop, he's right there. He's presenting yeah. himself. And yeah. uh, that's why he's so heavily trusted by Matthew Stafford. Yeah, well, since we're, we're, we're on Rams right now, let's let's mm-hmm. keep pushing and let's talk about this game. And boy, you know, I think as Bill, I, I saw a little bit of what I've seen uh, in the last two matchups between these two teams. It was physical. 
Uh, there were some adjustments made, but everybody, for the, the most part, stuck to their game plan. And uh, all I can say is, in the end, thank goodness, if you're a Rams fan, thank goodness for dropped interceptions because uh, that dropped interception by Tart could have changed the game. But you could also say the dropped touchdown by Skoronek, uh may have changed it as well, going the other way. But neither, regardless, uh, the Rams, you know, they get the job done and they, uh, they cut them off had six straight wins and they get the one win when they needed it the most, the one game that really matters the most. And that's the one to put you in the Super Bowl. So, uh, uh, Sally, give me your thoughts on the Rams and, and, and what do you think this uh, Super Bowl matchup is going to look like? First of all, the coaches know one another very well. You know? Obviously, yeah. um, Zach Taylor um, coached under Sean McVay and I, both of their offenses are, you know, they want to come out and try to run the ball, try to establish some rhythm, um, throwing off a of run action, right, um, and uh, being able uh, to get the runner to the second level of the defense. If they could do that consistently, um, you know, the Rams, that's what they want to do with either Sony Michelle or with Cam Akers. I believe the Rams offense, particularly this season, has worked better when the run game is going early because it helps Matthew Stafford. Those reads are more definable, right? The receivers get greater separation. Um, he gets more time in the pocket to throw. Um, th that's exactly what this offense wants to do. The real key, I think, for this offense in terms of what really has given it a spark is Odell Beckham Jr. Um, over the last second half of the season, over the last few weeks especially. He's, he's very involved. He doesn't mind clearing out for Cooper Cup. And that way he's playing in an unselfish way, unlike we've never seen before. He knows he's going to get his opportunities. And uh, he's really participating um, at working hard to make the offense work. And I think that's good for the Rams. I think he's as good as any receiver in this league mm -hmm. when he really is uh, uh, being unselfish. Van Jefferson is the guy that's what Brandon Cooks used to be in this offense, that when they want to hit a big-time play, off-play action – Long developing play. He's the guy that can that can get deep, that can stretch the field. Uh, remember, they had Deshaun Jackson. They thought he would be that guy. They end up trading him, and they put Van Jefferson in that row. And we found that Van can not only run the underneath stuff. This guy can get deep uh, yes, he when can. he needs to on the play action yeah. pass. So that kind of versatility for Van Jefferson has allowed them to sort of exchange some roles and and reassign some things to him. And with OBJ, and it still allows Cooper Cup to be able to do everything within the offense. And hey, Kyle Blanton, man, I I'm gonna tell you right now, I was impressed with him and the way he came and played in the second half um, after Higby went down. So oh, yeah. uh, they seem Blanton. to have, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, Blanton. Uh, when when he came in, I just thought he gave them a presence, Excellent. a big, yes. really big body, created some easy yes. throws. He converted some third down plays for Matthew Stafford. Um, the offense is clicking, man, and, and Matthew Stafford is performing the way that I, I always thought he could. Um, it, it, he didn't prove anything to me. I think he proved something to a lot of other people. I always thought this guy was a big-time quarterback, and I'm happy to see that he's been able to, to prove a lot of doubters wrong. You know, I think, Matthew, we've talked about this, uh, Ron and I have. Um, when you come through that Detroit system with a lot of coaches and yeah. – the indiscipline playing a lot of games that just don't matter, so to speak. By the time he got there in LA, the discipline of an offense, like we've talked about here in a few minutes, a few minutes ago, 
and buying in and doing all the little details and the patience and making right decisions and being unselfish with the throws. He, that's something you had for him. That's and right. the stupid throws that he'd made earlier, the pick sixes that he had, <laughs> some of those things uh, have gone away. And the patience now, Sean McVay's done a terrific job of his patience and bringing him along and the high energy. And back to your point, too, Sally, about Beckham, he is um, a personality, a high energy guy, mm-hmm. a, a very strong personality that when in a negative environment can go the wrong di- direction and, and right. be detrimental to your team as he had been. But when you're in a great locker room like that, he's got no choice really. And I think he mm-hmm. wants to be that guy yeah. that everybody likes. I think he really does. And, and he's so talented. I think your point is well taken that he has made a huge difference for them. And That's a good point, Mike. Well in the Super Bowl, Having him in the right environment and guys like that, if they're in the negative environment, they go fast the other way. And I don't think people understand that dynamic key, key injury there. We, we alluded to it here with Tyler Higby that that's uh, and again, you know, like we say, we got two weeks here and and people can magically recover for a Super Bowl, but, but Kendall Blanton again, stepped up and and really saved the day. I thought for a lot, I, the Rams, uh, I thought they were going to get in trouble with timeouts there. Nine, 55 in the fourth quarter they had burned all of their timeouts and the last timeout came when McVay challenged a spot what I thought which I thought was clearly not a first down but he challenged it anyway um or clearly was a first down uh, for the other team and he I think he challenged that but uh I don't know Mike give me your thoughts uh, and Solomon give me your thoughts on now how these two teams Cincinnati and and and, and the Rams are going to match up. We see some positives for each team from the quarterback standpoint. Uh, and yeah, I guess this is, we got to look at Burrow Ellens as a rookie quarterback in the Super Bowl because he hadn't played that much. I don't, what, Dan Marino went as a rookie technically? Second year earlier. Second, think, was yeah, he second Dan, year? Second Dan was, was in okay. second year. Second year, so similar situation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, similar Here, situation. But here's the deal. See, Coates was talking about you know, he was talking about Matthew Stafford being in an undisciplined environment and how this year they kind of had to work some of those things out. This is where Joe yeah. Burrow shocks people. Mm-hmm. And I think he I think he's an outlier, what Malcolm Gladwell would call an outlier. For such a young quarterback, he plays with a discipline that is just belies his years. Think about most second-year quarterbacks, coach, a quarterback of his youth getting sacked nine times just repeatedly in the game. Repeatedly, like what happened against the Titans, most quarterbacks would hurry and throw the ball, put the ball in harm's way. They would fumble maybe at least on one of those sacks, right? He would take a sack on first down because I can tell you right now, Mike Vrabel threw some complicated coverages at him. And the pressure got home because he held on to the ball a little bit, but he was not going to throw that pick. No. He was not going to give take that ball sacks, up. But he's he would not take a, throwing the pick. And he would take a second on yeah. the early down. See, first, yeah. second down. And he'd come back and, and get the first down on the second yes. and third yeah. down. Yeah. See, yeah. he was managing yeah. a game. He was, he was managing in a game in a way that I don't know that we've ever seen before, certainly for a quarterback that young. He Most, protected the ball. He protected the ball. He took the sack, came back and made a play, still manufactured the drive. That, how do you get sacked nine times and still win? Because he was managing a game. That's something the other quarterback didn't do. It, I, Coach, I learned that day. 
it's better to be sacked nine times than it is to throw three interceptions. Or throw one interception, <laughs> right. That's why we were never worried about sacks. Always felt like we can overcome exactly. a sack. Exactly. It's hard to overcome turnovers. There you go. It's so, hard to overcome. You know, yeah. the, he is playing at a level that Stafford is just finally kind of getting to, I think, in terms That's of right. his knowledge of protecting the football. And mm-hmm. the thing about him is he's so quick and accurate with the ball. He just doesn't miss anything. He just oh, does not man. miss. And he's, he's, you know, I always felt solid. And you, I think you, you guys both being on the sideline will feel this that the best competitor on your whole football team should be that quarterback. That's right. You know, he should that's be, right. he just exudes confidence and I got this. Don't worry about, it, you know, yeah. and that's what he is. He's been that way. And, and just his brashness talking to the media, he believes that. He's so, hey, screw you. We're going to put this in the end zone. I don't care what you think. I'm going to tell you what he said. After the Raiders game, it was it. Cha- Listen, his confidence has changed the entire team. No question. The entire locker room, the entire organization. He, he's changed the entire city. The whole culture he, there has changed. Yes. After the Raiders game, they asked him, why were you not celebratory? Much in the same oh, way after you beat the Chiefs and you won the division and punched your ticket to the playoffs. You know, we don't see the same kind of celebration. What happened? He says, well, no. He said, that was different. That was winning the division. We won the playoffs. Now that we're in the playoffs, we're we're chasing something bigger. He said, but you guys should know uh, this is the standard now. Yeah. He said, yeah. he, this is what he said. He said, yeah. we're going to be doing this from here on out. I remember that. I, that, that I was, was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, but he, he said players. it and with such yeah. a humble Spirit, like you just couldn't help. It wasn't cocky no, as much as it was. Yeah. This is how I feel. This is what I expect. This is what we should all expect. Let's all enjoy the ride. But he didn't, it wasn't in relation to anybody else. He didn't say we're in a bad division so we can keep winning. He it was wasn't about anyone else externally. Mm-hmm. It was about who he want who he knows who he is and what he expects the team to be internally. I just thought it was one of the most phenomenal things I'd ever heard from a quarterback. Going to your point, quarterback ought to be the most confident guy in the room, and that's what the Bengals are working with right now. Well, he's changed the culture there completely. Yes, and the he coaches has. have gone along with him. You know, he's out in front of the – everybody's chasing him. You know? <laughs> that's right, Coach. He's out in front of everybody. I think in this game, though, Sally, is the key matchup because you they kind of – you know, the, both quarterbacks are playing at a great level. Receivers yeah. are great. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's going to come down to the speed of the defensive front of yeah. the Rams. And, and can, can uh, you know, Cincinnati hold up against that speed? I thought, and we've talked about this before, the Rams throughout the season were so vanilla up front with what they mm-hmm. were doing. And then two weeks ago, they turned them loose. They went into overloads. They just TEs and TTs, and they were moving, you know, Arnold all over the place. And I think they have to do a bit of that more and take take advantage of the speed that they're having in the one-on-one matchups. I got one for you, Coach. Bengals can't block them. No, they can't. I was going to ask you that. Listen, I've seen enough. I know they they can't block them. They're not going to be able to block them. Now, here's here's the uncanny thing about it. Because I knew the Titans and this Jeffrey Simmons kid, I, I, he going to wreck shop. Because you remember he did it to the Rams earlier this year, I think, in a Sunday night game. And Jeffrey Simmons for the Titans. He, he's that good. So, now he wrecked shop against the Bengals. I thought uh, Chris Jones 
with the Chiefs. I thought he would wreck shop. I thought Max Crosby and Yanni Kagakwe would do. And every time I turned out, yeah, he, they can wreck shop. But with Joe Burrow, for whatever reason, he's, he's one of the few quarterbacks I've ever seen do this. He rises above it. Somehow. And, 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 I, and I don't know how you keep doing that as a young quarterback, um, rising above the pressure uh, that the opposing defensive line is putting on you. He was PFF's highest rated quarterback when blitzed. He was the highest rated quarterback when under pressure this season. Uh, it's unre- it's a it's a one of those stats that could be up and down, but Joe Burrow has defied logic in this way, um, and it really really is uncanny. So, as much as I don't think we're going to be able to block him, I still be- I still believe in Joe Burrow. <laughs> yeah, you know the the thing that he does so well is as well as anybody I've seen, and Kurt didn't have that big strong arm like Burrow has. But what he does, what Burrow does, is they anticipate. They throw the ball so early and they have such a great feel for that before they come out of their cuts, wade into the hole. They just get the ball out so fast, it's hard to sack them. Yeah, you know what, what could help is being able to run the football because if the Rams have one weakness, it's people running right at them, right at Good Aaron point. Donald, right at Sean Robinson, right at Von Miller. And uh, this is what the Cincinnati's been able to do with success in mixing along with P Ryan, they've been, uh, they've been good there. So maybe that can, can help things out. But if they get into a seven on seven pass situation, it, it's going to be a problem. So I think you're right, Ronnie. And I do think that if they just play that down four with an over front, mm-hmm. they're going to have a hard, it's going to be hard for them. Yeah. I'm talking about the yeah. Rams. They the Rams, yeah. right. got to move yeah. them around. They've got to do things with them and create havoc. That's right. If they do like they did in the regular season, just play that defense. Um, Cincinnati's got a great chance of beating them. Here, here's what I'd say to any defensive front that's got a that's got a game to get pressure. What I love about that, I'm running on them, coach. I'm, <laughs> I'm running on them. I'm running on them. Because yeah. if they've got to start hopping and jumping around, that I love that when when uh when when you're running <laughs> at a defense like that, what yeah. do defensive coaches tell their defensive linemen when they don't be jumping around no blocks now? <laughs> you got to anchor in the gap. But when they're running on you and you try to run a stunt and run a game, it's one of the worst things that a defensive line could ever do against a run-heavy offense. I, Frank Pollock, you remember him as an offensive line coach, had been with Dallas when they had those great offensive lines. He had come over to Cincinnati, then left, and now they brought him back. I think he's made a huge difference with, with the Bengals. He's got a great relationship with Joe Mixon. He makes sure that Joe is dialed in to what the offensive line is doing on those outside zone stretch and the inside zone, when to cut back, how to read that second level at that linebacker overrunning it. Now you can hit the back door, but you got to read the second level of the defense before you commit to that cutback. Frank Pollock has meant so much to Joe Mixon's productivity, to uh, the tone and tenor of the offense, not getting away from being physical when they need to be. And coach, you'll you'll know this because we talked about the defense making great second half adjustments all season long. The Cincinnati Bengals have been uh, one of the highest scoring teams in the second half of ball games. They've done as good a job of adjusting offensively as any team in the league all season long. Well, actually, most of the games that I'm familiar with are for the run. 
you know, the mm-hmm. TTEs and those things. So right. you do that. And here's the thing that's different. It's one, it's one thing to run a triple or double inside with, with regular guys. But when you use guys with the speed and quickness that these guys have, yeah, the offensive true. linemen get turned and run. I are talking about it. They're inside three, get turned really easily mm-hmm. in the, in the mm-hmm. protections of what yeah. I'm talking about the guards in the center. Yeah. And it's a weakness. It's an Achilles for them. I don't know where this coach that way or whatever, but they, they set too deep and they get turned. And yeah. when that happens, buddy, I'm going to run. Two it's over. It's, it's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's over. But if the Rams line up and just rush them, I think it's going to be hard for them. And, and yeah. I think that the games that they run, the overloads that they run, it's interesting stuff. But, you know, the, and Reader, and this is a pet peeve for me, and I hate to beat up on this guy, but he just doesn't make any plays. Yeah, and he should make every make play plays. in the world with that with stuff that front, in front of him. With that front, yes, he ought to be all over the place. Yeah. 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 And then another thing, too, now, going back to the, the, uh, the, Ram, the Rams offensive line. So, uh, Joe Noteboom, I think they were going to try to start him last week because, you know, Whitworth was banged up. He's got a bad knee. And mm-hmm. as we talked about Mike all the time, he's, he's going on one knee. Well, he's mine for crying out loud. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> but, but now this could be an issue because Hendrickson can come around the corner a little bit and he's got some, some pop to him and everything. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I don't know. And even on the other side, uh, for the most part, Havenstein is held up, but even still, he'll give some collapse in there. But McVay, at the end of the day, has been so good, and the quarterback is so good at knowing yeah. when the ball's got to be out. Yeah. Well, like like Sally said, the the difference in this game, when it, when it's all said and done, will be Acres. I'm I'm a big fan of his. I think he's yeah. a great back. Um, yeah. He, and once he fumbled the words out, you know, if everybody's going to try and get that ball, you know how that goes with the yeah. league. But. Yeah. He yeah. is such a violent runner. I think that uh, they can ride him into the sunset in this game. Yeah, he didn't uh, didn't yeah. get over fifty last last game, but you know it was it was enough to to help get the victory. Let's go back to this uh, Lou Anarumo. So, what does he have to do to stop this Rams offense? Anarumo, of course, the, the defensive coordinator, third year there in Cincinnati, uh, spent some time with New York Giants and Dolphins as a defensive back coach. Was with Zach Taylor. In Miami, so there's the the, the connection there. But uh, Sally, what do you, what do you think he's got to do to shut down this Rams high powered, multi talented offense? Well, it's it's multiple, right? You know, first you got to stop them from running the football. You got to stop uh, the Rams from getting their runners to the second level of the defense. Sony Michelle is very good at staying committed um, to mm-hmm. that front side. Yeah, he's very good about that. And Cam Akers, I, I think I, I agree with Coach. I just think he can – he's a prolific player. We all know he's coming off an injury. But the way he ended last season, he showed signs of becoming someone who could be very special as a running back in this league. This is the kind of game I think is made for him, to be honest with you. So he's got to hold on to the ball. I think the Tampa uh, game kind of – it could cause a team – to kind of be more precautionary. If you, if you fumble once, you make coach nervous. You fumble twice, oh, my God. I mean, uh, it really change. it really can yeah. set you back in the rotation. So I think we're going to see a rotation of both running backs. And Luana Romo and the Bengals are going to have to stop both Sony Michelle and Cam Akers. And with that said, you've got to double Cooper Cup. You've got to have a plan for him in different areas of the field in terms of do you want to go in and out? On third down, or do you want to go high-low, right? 
if they're uh, deep back into their end or in the plus 40 coming into the end zone when they may want to take a shot play. You got to know exactly what to expect from this offense um, because you just can't go grab bagging. You really you got to know when they're going to want to go to Cooper Cup. And on third down, they always want to go to Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to know when uh, they're going to dial up play action, try to go over the top and get Justin Jefferson, uh, excuse me, Van Jefferson behind uh, the defense. Uh, you got to know when they're inside the red zone and they go three by one and you got backside and you got OBJ over there. Oh, they're going to give him a chance to, to win uh, in that 50-50 ball opportunity because he's that good. Um, right. So they're going to have to be really dialed in on some tendencies. Luana Romo is really good at giving you one thing in the first half and giving you something else in the second half. <clears throat> There's no doubt in my mind that we can – Matthew Stafford is going to give us one. Can we catch it? Right. Maybe two, maybe, <laughs> maybe two, right. Maybe Can two. you catch it? Yeah. And I'm a firm believer. Now you go plus two and turnover ratio. Hard your chances to, of winning win. go up sky high. Yeah. Yep. It was yep. like 70%. I think uh, that's right. I, I just like we've always said about Matthew, he's got two real ugly throws every week. He That's exactly this right, Coach. He That's had right. it last week. He yep. had it last week. He has it every week, and hopefully they're not interceptions. You know, he had yeah. one drop, of course, and it's just going to happen. That's just who he is. Yeah. He just mm-hmm. – I do think that the, the Rams had a little bit of an epiphany listening to what the head coach had said. Uh, he went back, and we talked about this run last week, that he would probably do this, and he did. He went back and looked at – their losses against San Francisco. And the revelation that came out of that thing was that they just too impatient. And in this last game, you can see he just was more concerned about moving the chains, yeah. moving the yeah. chains and moving the chains. And if they'll stay with that, I don't know if, you know, they're not very good normally. They're not very good playing from behind. If Cincinnati can get out on them, it yeah. makes life difficult. And they, and they become impatient and want chucks. Yeah. So if if I think if Cincinnati can get out on them a little bit, I think it's a tough day for them. This I I I'll, I can say this, and coach you you coached in it, you know what it's like. The Super Bowl is unlike any other game. And uh, even for a veteran player like a Matthew Stafford, who's never played in these kind of games, I think even more so for the quarterbacks, because <clears throat> the pregame rhythm, all of that is interrupted. You know, so much standing around and so much waiting and watching that it can really take you out of your tempo. And and I think for these two offenses, their tempo, their timing, the rhythm and how they're going to go about it and how they begin the game, I think it's very important. Both of these coaches, they skip, they, they script their early plays, got like a Kyle Shanahan, they script their early plays. And that's so that the players know what to expect that they're familiar with what they're going to be doing, right? Mm-hmm. And that they can play fast and they could, uh, you know, get off to a really good start having some familiarity of what's going to be expected of them. And these offenses are based on getting into rhythm. Last week we saw the Bengals. I thought they got off to a slow start and then Tyler Boyd gave them that rhythm. He started to make a few catches. CJ Uzama caught a critical third down catch. He ended up having to leave the game. But by that point, you can see that offense gained its rhythm early. And uh, that's what's got to happen, I think, for both of these teams. The team that can gain their rhythm early, say, okay, we're feeling it. Okay, now we're clicking. That's when you can see these offense get really hot. I think that's a good point. I, yeah. I do think that the best competitor on that whole field for both teams will mm-hmm. be Burrow. And yeah. this is when he'll be at his best. 
That's a, I know, agree. The coach. great players are at their best when things were at their worst, and they're also at their best in championship moments. And I think he'll play the best football of his career. I don't. Stafford will play well, I think, but yeah. who knows? You know, you don't know what's going to come out of that arm sometimes. So, I do yeah. think that the final analysis, the difference maker, will be Joe Burrow. Yeah, and and the key for the Rams okay. will be every game that I've seen that they've struggled in. People have been able to number one shut down their run and make them play from behind. They're built to play from ten points up. I mean, I, I mean that's easy to say for a lot of people. You know, it's easier to play with a lead, but they don't. They play completely different when they're behind. And I notice their defense doesn't play the same when the offense is behind. But the minute they feel like they've got you on the ropes, now they start, and and, and the whole energy changes. So. It's going to be an interesting game. They're, I'm a, bit gonna, a, front, they're yeah. a bit of a front runner, Ron, to your yeah. point, too. I think yeah. the Rams have always yeah. – you know, they play with so much energy so far in the playoffs. But, uh, you know, when you watch when, – when San Francisco hit them in the mouth, they got a little oh, demoralized, no. too. Oh, you no, know, they they're change. not a good yeah. team from behind necessarily because they don't nope. really play a two-minute offense. Yeah. That's right. No, they, but but Cincinnati plays like that, Solly. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. That's when that kid, to me, they seem like they're better from that point. I mean, I'm we, sitting there, I'm looking at this Kansas City game. Yeah, they came from behind. Yeah. They came from down for 18 points, and they came from behind in the early Kansas City game. Three times they were down. They were down 14 nothing, and then they were down 21-7, to right. and then they were down 28-14. They kept yeah. coming back. This, the, It's a young team. Who, these players all played in big-time programs, and they were used to winning, right? And, yeah. you know, you got to give Marvin Lewis some credit because he did not leave the cupboard bare, right? Uh, Joe Mixon was already here. Or Tyler Boyd was already here. They had Dunlap. They had Geno Atkins. Those guys aren't here anymore, but they provided a bridge to keep to teach these young players. And these were guys that had been to the playoffs. They had been to the postseason. Remember, with Marvin here, they were in the playoffs five straight years. They just couldn't win when they got there. It took a guy like Coach said, like Joe Burrow, to come in here and said, "No, uh, we got a new standard," and he's he's not overwhelmed by the moment. and And a lot of these players have adopted adopted that same intensity, the work ethic that he brings to the table. He has a focus. He doesn't have one endorsement, Coach. He didn't sign up for one endorsement as a first overall selection. <laughs> he could have had his own progressive commercial too. Uh, but he, this is a guy that's decided <laughs> winning is more important. I, and I think a lot of these quarterbacks should really pay attention to that. No um, question. Th- this is a guy that he had all of it out in front of him. And I could tell you, because I live in the same town with him, he sold everybody no. There's going to be a time and a place for that. Right now, I got to go out and win some games. And I, I admire that as much as I do anything else about Joe Burrow. That's awesome. I, I that think is, that's, that's a great, great. point. Yep, that's a great point. Guys, we got five minutes here before we close out. Uh, let's finish up talking about the GOAT, Tom Brady, who officially retires this week. I believe that's going to happen. Let's see. <laughs> There's some drama on that one. Uh, so, I don't know. Coach, I'll start with you. 22 years in the game, every award you can imagine, every Super Bowl you can imagine. Uh He's saying goodbye. What are your thoughts? You know, it's just what we're talking about, Joe Burrow. You know, he was – he just changed the whole culture up there. And and that's not uh, – Belichick is a great coach, obviously, he is. And I think the marriage between the two of them was a perfect match. But um, 
He is the guy that when things were bad, he was always at his worst. He picked everybody up and changed the culture there and, and uh, the coaches, everybody. He raised the expectations there, and he did the same thing when he went down to uh, Tampa Bay. Um, I think physically, obviously, he, he's, got, he's a very talented guy, but what makes him tick inside and his ability to compete um, and his desire to compete and be the very best is, is unusual to be able to hold that standard throughout a career like that. 22 years is pretty dramatic. You know, guys, uh, living here in Cincinnati, it's just like Big Ten country, right? So um, I worked for an insurance company at the time and was in this management training program. Um, I was It was right at the end of my career. And uh, Tom Brady was – I had already been done playing. He was playing at the University of Michigan. And I'd go down with uh, – go up to Michigan – um, for a Michigan game, a weekend in Ann Arbor, and I'm watching him play, and I remember the Drew Henson stuff. Every time Tom Brady came into a game, it was like what you see today. In the fourth quarter, this guy went to a whole nother level. It reminded me of Joe Montana, who used to be that way. You could get maybe average play from Joe in the early part of the game, but at the end of the game, he became a different dude. Joe Montana just had that knack about how he played in the final minutes of games. Um, uh, now I did Tom Brady's first game that he started for the Patriots. I'm working for CBS and I'm doing a game. They're playing against the Chargers at the time. Junior say Rodney Harrison was playing on the opposing team. Now remember we got to the end of the game and Tom Brady, he did it again. I thought the way he stood in that pocket, the way he read the defense, the way he, he was always accurate with the ball. I mean, he was dead. It laser accuracy. Mm. And then, but I just saw this competitor and I went back and I remember the research from college. And I just, and I remember Ian Eagle asking me, what do you think about this guy? Can Tom Brady, can he, I said, if he keeps playing like this, they'll never take him out of the game. And I just remember saying it because what I was watching, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. And uh, to think that for 20 years, he, he would continue to do the same thing. No one could have predicted that. Um, but I, I, I just know the competitor in the player is something that caught my eye um, from the time he was in college in the early part of his career. And uh, maybe it's something we ought to look for more often, uh, particularly in quarterbacks and in players. Sometimes we look at the big arm. We look at mobility. We talk about all these other things. And one of the most difficult things there is to gauge is um, that, that burning desire to win, that competitiveness that a player brings to the table and they don't just talk about it. They just go about it in the, in the work that they put in every single day. And that's what I saw with Brady. And I think in that way, I think he changed the way our game is played by future quarterbacks to come. When we talk about a Joe Burrow, um, if you you can't even be good in this league, unless you're going to be totally 100% committed, maybe in the same way that Tom Brady was. And and I think it's and Burrow, to me, is the first quarterback I've seen since Tom Brady that has that kind of personality. Exactly. Exactly. And we're talking about a guy, what, six-round pick, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, you know, that's right. so that's, that's – right. see, that's what I like about it. A, a late-round pick, and I know all the, the uh, combine pictures have, have surfaced for many years and what he looked like running and all of this stuff. But you know the one thing that I never hear people write about and analyze because you can't analyze you can't put numbers on it whether or not the guy's a football player that, that that's the big thing and to your point solomon 
can he stand in there and get us down the field with two minutes to go and win a game? It doesn't matter when the heat him, is right? on. It doesn't right. really yeah. like uh-huh. you remember, Coach. We were talking earlier. Coach says, I think he gets bored. He was talking about a quarterback who's won in this league, right? Says, I think he gets bored. I remember when I used to cover, I covered Peyton Manning because I live in Cincinnati. He's just down the road in Indy. And every year I found myself sitting with him in training camp. And when it was leisure time, I'd be spending time with him. And I remember every year, it amazed me how every season Peyton Manning came back more dedicated than the year before, more dedicated Mm -hmm. than the year before. And I said, how do you keep doing it? And he was like, what? I said, every year, like eight, nine, ten years in a row, you come back and you're more laser focused. And I didn't think you could be be more focused than you were a year ago. How do you renew and refresh yourself? And he began to talk about that, how at the quarterback position, it's one of the more challenging things. And I think for real talented people, <laughs> are you okay, for real talented people, you got to understand boredom is just around the corner <laughs> for us mere mortals. We, we've got to stay up in the bit. Right. But for real talented people, guys, I'm just telling you right now, boredom is just around the corner. And the fact that they can stave that off and continue to work hard and grind uh, to, to keep the pencil sharp. I, I think that's a talent in and of itself. And I think part of that from the coach's standpoint is, you need to continue to challenge and, and be different with some things and find That's out right. what they can't do, you know? And, yeah. and when you do that with a great quarterback, then you got them, you That's know, then right. you got them. I think right, they've coach. done that with Burrow too. Yeah. Well, our, uh, our, our producer, Mr. Roy Hamilton has just alerted me that as we speak, uh, Brady, it is official that he is retired. So there, there'll be no more hijinks and no more drama with that. So uh, good, good luck to him. And, We'll see what's next for him, whether it's the broadcast booth or coaching or commercials or movies or, or whatever. All right. So uh, let's uh, let's wrap up here with picks. Uh, Mike, Super Bowl pick. Well, you know, I got to pick the Rams. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, come on. <laughs> I have to pick the Rams, although uh, it'll be a hard game for him now. It's, it's going to be a close. I think it's going to be like the playoffs. It'll come down to the end. Will the Rams take these guys lightly? Oh gosh, no, 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 that, no, no. Sean McVay's too. He understands the game too well. He understands the players too well. And he's been the uh, one before. Yeah, so he's been he knows there before. This whole show and no, been, yeah. no, he's no, no, no. Mm-hmm. They prove that they no. There's there's none of that there in that locker room for sure. Yeah. So here's the only the only oh, thing sorry. that I would worry me about the Rams is it's a home game, and for two weeks. They're going to hear all this adulation, you know, and, and yeah. you know, they, I don't think they'll get caught up into it. Cause I think Sean will do a great job of, you know, keeping them from that and keeping them focused as he's done all year. So, uh, you know, it's the glitz. It's just LA is different as you guys know, it's just different than any place in the country. And, and when the movie stars start showing up and the bling comes out and, you know, you start rubbing with the gables and the grables and all that stuff. It's just a place. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Sally. Yeah, I'm going to be real quick because I got to get rolling, but uh, Bengals are going to win the game. We're going to find a way to get it done. Um, and I think we got to keep the Rams under 30 points. If we could do that, we could win this game. So I'm going to go 30 to 27 Cincinnati Bengals win their very first Super Bowl in franchise history. That's awesome. Wow. All right, guys. Well, Sally, appreciate Thanks, it, Sally. man. 
Always fun talking to you, bro. I know you're going to be out this way. You're going to be doing that radio road tour. I'll right, give Aaron? you. I absolutely. And Ron, you know, I got to come see you. You guys oh, yeah. got to come and do do the show from Radio Row because I everybody's going to be there. Uh, and everybody includes you two. So oh, <laughs> you got you yeah. got you got to come there and do and do the show. You'd be surprised how many people stop by and visit you. You end up having some good guests. Okay. Oh, I'm sure. All right. Solomon Wilcox, former Cincinnati right, guys. Bengals, played in the Super Bowl, joining us here on Run It Again. And Mike, uh, that's another great show in the books, man. Always fun talking to uh, Solly. Yeah, he does. Man, we could go job. for just hours on this one. Now, this guy is really good. But yeah, he does a great job. Yep. He has a great understanding of, you know, for a guy who has not coached, he has a great understanding from a coach's viewpoint, too, of, of what makes things go, you know? Yeah. Yep. That's right. All right, man. We'll uh, we'll talk next week, and that will be uh, on Super Bowl week. So right, uh, we're going into this uh, kind of a mini bye week before heading into the big one. So, all right, buddy. See you Thanks, next Ron. Week. All right. I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz, and we want to say thank you to our good friend Solomon Wilcox from Pro Football Focus for joining us today. Like what you're hearing on Run It Again? Well, let us know by leaving us a review on Apple. Be sure to join us next Tuesday for a new episode as we break down Super Bowl 56 between the L.A. Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. Don't forget to visit us at runitagainpodcast.com and be sure and hit that subscribe button. Remember, folks, we're just two old pros trying to make you think a little. So long, everybody. Run It Again with Ron Pitts and Coach Mike Martz is a Benstown and McVay Media Podcast production. Executive produced by Roy Hamilton, producer Ed Maloney, and technical engineer is Kevin Horton. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at Run It Again Podcast.